I was literally listening to Artie Lang doing my jewelry, which is relaxing <laughs> for me. And I was on every word. And it wasn't a structured bit where it was a joke. It was, oh, shit, this guy's telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. I get to hear the truth. Fucking A. Because when I hear someone going like, what's with? Yeah, I'm I like, die. I'm I like, die. what am I, stupid? Yeah. But now I'm like. A guy in a prosthetic pig mask driving down the PCH trying to get coke at 8.30 in the morning? Yes! Welcome back to Shit They Don't Tell You. I'm Nikki Limo. I'm Steve Green. And today we have our special guest, Leslie Wolf, with us. She's a casting director, a comedian, an instructor of funny. Thank you for being here, Leslie. It is my distinct pleasure. Yeah. Leslie, you don't remember me, but you you, you taught me stand-up. You're my first stand-up teacher when just, I first moved to LA. I do remember you, and I never forget an essence I of, doubt you remember of me. stardom like you have. Okay, true. True. I'll give you that. I'm not that's, a, that's good. That's, that's good. good. That's good. It could be a new cologne. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> I just love you too. I'll say real quickly, I got, are we allowed to, do we have an endorsement deal? Yeah, go, go deal? ahead. Yeah. I got the We've endorsement deal for Pepsi, but the, go ahead with the Coke. Yeah, okay. please. It's fine. <laughs> World's biggest Diet Coke, which is like literally better than like happening upon a crack house for a crack addict because... At my place, my baby daddy will only let me have the mini ones, Mm-mm. not a normal can even, but the mini ones, which is like a half a glass of Diet Coke, and that just That's ain't right. And those are like $4. The deal is not there. It's not cost effective. That's exactly. like letting someone touch one boob. <laughs> like, that's, so that's, that's sad. <laughs> when you can use yeah, you your can touch body one. as, <laughs> as a monetization yeah. Design yeah. device. I, I do that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> Nikki's a great example. I'm for like, everyone. you clean the kitchen, you can see both. That's right. That's true. That's a good deal. I will let you. I'll let you touch both. It is true. Um, yeah, we uh, Leslie and I recently worked on a movie together, um, and I thought you were so funny in Thank the scenes, you. especially when you were allowed to improv. I thought that like <laughs> really showed off your comedic abilities, and I I love it. And I uh, had also. Steve said he took a class with you and I had um, seen frequently I used to go to casting director workshops at Act Now and I would see your name on the list for stand up and I'm like oh I want to check it out I never it's so did, funny but... that you mentioned Act Now because yeah. I love Kennedine and that's where this class originally started it, it was like find your five minute sitcom set and it was all for just actors and I loved it because oddly enough when it's all professional actors they're really really good oh. my class has evolved to it's anyone from anywhere can do it and it's a different experience but I really loved the Act Now days right have you ever thought of doing like a specific actors workshop for like as a separate thing I, I really have been asked a lot of times because right now when people are going in for commercials or anything like that it's like imperative that they have stand up in their arsenal right. so I highly recommend that every actor who calls themselves an actor should do stand up at least once definitely I mean the theater is an actor's medium and so if and in LA you don't really audition for theater as much as you do for film and TV and commercials so yeah, if uh, ever but yeah but, but that's really <laughs> where, where your craft uh, gets to shine is, is on the stage and I was never in theater but stand-up I did for seven years and I fucking loved it. There's nothing that's ever replaced that feeling. There's really no feeling and it's so funny because now that I'm a mom, you know, I brought my kid with me today, yeah, which she's is so, cute. so sweet of you to let me leave her. Is that Each time I'm going, I love my class and I love the huge showcase they have at the end, but every time it's like Sunday night, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this tonight. As soon as I get on stage and get that laughter it is so addicting and it is so oh yeah this is why i do it it's so much fun it fills you up it like rejuvenates you all that tiredness you're like i have so much energy now it totally and it it's a gift i mean you can't get that from any many other things i mean it's fun if i'll do like a guest star or a movie and you see you could show your kid something on the screen yeah. oh there's mommy but it's not that same feeling yeah even on set i wanted to talk to you about that too the whole just sitting around on set all day is so so tedious and tiring. Stand up, you can go out, you're in, you're out, you're done. And and it's not one or the other, but it's definitely something 
if you're stuck in this sort of guest star rut where you're sitting in your trailers eight hours and performing for one minute yes. to get out there and have a little bit more power over what you're doing. Yeah. What I really liked about stand-up, too, is at the time when I started, I was 20. and um, <laughs> That's I was, so young! I know. I was a baby. Um, and I uh, was constantly, as an actress, getting sent out for, like, you know, like, one line hot girl at the bar role <laughs> or like you know ditzy bimbo role and that's fine but it was so not me as a person and stand up was like the one place where I could showcase like who I felt I was as an artist and like what I found funny and how I wanted to perform it without someone being like could you make it more bubbly could you can you bring up the energy fucking hate those you, but like <laughs> smile the whole time yeah I love. but and you're in like the perfect time right now for women because when i started back in the day there might be one or two women on the lineup but it was a very male dominated world blah 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 it's no yeah. longer that now it's yeah. 50 50 in fact most of my classes are mostly women right and women aren't feeling like they have to be like a ditzy you know blonde to get attention they're really going against mm-hmm. the cliches and really having really unique brands and i think it's like the golden age it's for women comedy awesome. right now. I mean, even when I started in 2007, I was still almost always the only female, unless the headliner was female. Uh, but yeah, of of the comics that were regularly opening, yeah, it was the same way. And I also felt like you really had to back then like desexualize yourself completely. So Or super-sexualize yourself. Yes. So you had yes. to make a choice. You either had to be the sexy. I had a mentor named Jason Strauss, who I love so much. You might have seen him. He's a filmmaker now. He just did Teacher of the Year and a couple other things. And he would always be like, Leslie, get yourself sexy, do this, do that. And it wasn't until I had a show at a club called Fourth and B in San Diego. It was like in front of 2,000 people. And I wore like a green t-shirt and jeans and my hair back in a ponytail. And I killed. And afterwards, somebody came up to me and said this exact quote. And they said, you know why I like you? Because you're hot enough that the guys will watch you, but not too hot that the ladies will hate you. That's exactly (laughs) what it was. Yes. And I just saw my mother-in-law come in and she's going to have to get on this mic (laughs) before the end of the day because she is she is a Hollywood star. Took them eight hours to find (laughs) find this place. It's L.A. It's confusing here. We're in the valley. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was it's very much like that. Like I if you if you make the girls hate you, then you lose half the audience. And, you know, a lot of guys are bringing their dates and they don't want to feel like there's any sort of competition. But Um, I'm very much in the mindset, too, of as women, as men even, not even to be sexist and say just women, wear what you would wear on any given day. Don't be be you every day and then all of a sudden you're going up to do stand-up and you're wearing a black cocktail dress. Like, it doesn't make any sense. My class especially is about making the audience feel like they're just at a coffee shop having a talk with you. Like, it's really casual. Like, oh, how'd this mic get here? This happens to be here. So to get all dolled up, unless yeah. you're like a cocktail waitress in Vegas, it makes no sense. <laughs> or right. your marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I, which, by the way, <laughs> 874 people tell me to watch that every day. And I have some weird aversion when I watch it. And I wonder why. But that's a deeper psychological no, question. No, that was the same you way. You wonder why? Because you can't get into it. I can't get into no, it. No, I Good was. For you. It was exactly the same for me. Uh, but then recently, I made myself watch it just because I wanted to just, you know, be a student of what is popular right now. Why are people liking this? We recently made ourselves get into Game of Thrones for we the made, same we reason. Made we never ourselves. watched one episode in a year. We hated. We, we were so averse. Oh my god, it was horrible. But now we're addicted. But yes. it is true. Once you get past but the I first appreciate grueling, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and I see it as a drama more than a comedy. To. Yeah, you no, I really do. I don't see it as a, a stand-up. It's not I a see hilarious. her as, as an evolution of empowerment of a woman, yes. which is terrific. But uh, 
It's old school. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's not. It's I old. It, it is old. It's old school comedy because it it's a period piece, so it's yeah. like 1950s comedy and humor. But it's more about the woman empowerment thing, and also I think it's like everyone's trying to find purpose. Like every character in that show is trying to find purpose. They feel all feel lost and confused. I think that's what's more relatable about it to me, rather than the whole stand up part of it. But exactly. I think when people hear stand up uh, and lady stand up and oh, Jewish you, you and lady to, and yeah. yeah, you need to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. So I, w- I was a ver- like not. Well, it I took was you very two seasons to, to get into it, too. It took me a, a season to get into yeah, it. Yeah, and then okay. the second season, I was like, oh, now I understand these people and what they want, and I want to see where their character goes. But it's also goes. the classic thing of like when you're a gynecologist, you don't want to come home and see a vagina. I'm teaching stand-up all day. I don't <laughs> no want to come home and watch true. stand-up on TV. Right. <laughs> so yeah, true. Exactly. Although I, I can watch stand-up all day, of course. So yeah. today's topic I thought would be perfectly fitting for you, which is um, how to become funny <laughs> from scratch. Because you teach these classes, and we do get asked a lot like through our email, the podcast email, like, how do I be funny? Like I, I have a good sense of humor but I don't know how to translate that into me being funny well my great question first of all my real philosophy on that topic is everybody who has a life is funny and if you tell the truth and the more that you tell the truth the funny you or you are and instead of trying to be funny coming up with jokes in a weird way almost go, go towards the things in your life that bring you pain or bring things yeah. that you need to find the catharsis and and that will find humor like I'm not even joking I'm a, an older mom I've got a four year old she doesn't have school on Fridays I'm driving around I'm begging her grandparents who are in there you know getting <laughs> older 70s 80s to come meet me at the studio I mean if you were to watch what just went on before this show that's an episode of a, a sitcom. sitcom and the funny thing is we're so tunnel vision. We're like, what's funny? What's funny? What can I make when it's always right under our nose? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like just meeting you guys. Of course, we met on the set and I was in love with you at first sight. And you Aww. were my student. And, and I you remember, remember that you. very well. I really remember it. But yeah. the minute I look at you guys, I, I just see, obviously, you could do see all the humor and all the guests that you have that come on and all the pressure you have as a couple to be successful. And then mm-hmm. the behind the scenes would be all the crazy fights and the fun <laughs> stuff that would go on. But Someone might say to you, oh, any couple could do that. That sounds so cliche. No, each person, in my opinion, when they're doing their comedy, has to get so truthful and so unique that nobody else could come and steal their comedy and do it themselves. And what people people really respond to that when they take my class, because if you were 20 years older, <laughs> you and I could potentially, potentially go out for the same role in something. Like, you're not my direct competition right now for a role, but... You want to be able to be so specific, unique, and memorable that you're going to beat out the six other people in your category. And I think that's what, you know, I've been in this business for so, so long. And for my money and for what I like, it's when you really feel like you're getting the inside scoop of someone's real life. You know, a lot of people do comedy under a persona or you can tell they're doing other people's material. That's all fine. But I don't really get into it unless I'm in on a little secret. And that's why I don't want to get political. But like, (laughs) I used to love Louis C.K. I used to love, you know, you know, a lot of the edgier comics who would really tell the truth, right? Um, I think is what I prefer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree one hundred percent. I think it wasn't until like uh, realizing what so I have anxiety and depression and stuff. You and do? I, and I, yes, and I think that I wrote <laughs> my best. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, but I think I wrote my best. Uh, that's how, kind of how it started. Was I started doing stand up because I was. Like that was the uh, outlet for catharsis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a really dark sense of humor, so it worked because it was like everything that I was feeling, I turned it into a joke, and it was great because it it like lifted that darkness because because you're sharing it and you are getting. You know, we all know what shame is. The only reason shame remains shame is because it's secretive and held close. When you let it out, it's no longer shameful. Yeah, and 
more likely than not, whatever you're feeling, six to seven to 20 people in the audience are feeling. And the minute you share it and the collective sigh of relief and catharsis that comes up, you're not only getting it off your chest, you're helping them get it off their chest. And it's an energetic thing that changes. And even like I just ran into Brittany Furlan, who I love so much. She's a huge internet sensation and, yeah. and star. We were chatting about depression and anxiety. And it it's not it doesn't only pick certain people. I think everybody experiences it. And when you take the shame away from it, mm -hmm. that's when the humor comes. And I'm a very, um, I don't encourage people to be self-deprecating, but myself, I'm extremely self-deprecating uh, in my humor and when I'm teaching. And I think that really comforts people and allows people to be imperfect. Because yeah. when you're, you know, when you're be like, when you're like, you can't sit there and be like, be funny, be funny. I mean, there's too much pressure. <laughs> and it, And sometimes... People are the funniest when they've pretty much given Quit. up. Yeah. yeah, like I had sure. one student named Kosha Patel who I love. I think she actually was a series regular on a, a pilot this year. She took my class. She was like my favorite. She's a beautiful Indian actress, and I and she's like, Les, love you, but I'm not gonna do the show. I'm just not ready. I have a wedding to go to this weekend. I'm so stressed out. And I said, Great, go to the wedding. Write down a couple things. Let me know how it goes. She came back and killed with a whole set about the wedding and about how insecure she felt about being single. Not this at the wedding, and. The minute you give permission to not do it is when people enjoy themselves because we're so hard on ourselves and we're so comparing with each other, yeah. especially yeah. as women. Mm -hmm. You know, I think men do compare to each other, too. But I love that you did that. I love that you used comedy as catharsis and therapy to get through your stuff, because then when you hear people laughing, you don't it loses its weight and seriousness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you helped me a lot with that where I can't, I remember coming into your class and just coming in with a bunch of bits, you know? But you're naturally funny, not to be funny for a second. Oh. Of course, if I have a group of 15 people, not everyone's going to be funny. There are certain people that walk in and you get it. Mm -hmm. You get well, the timing. Nice. But, 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 but I remember <laughs> I was telling, I was like, yeah, I got all these bits and shit. I you can't wait to do all these bits. And then, um, and then you were like, listen, I, I, those are great and all. You're being very nice about it. But you're like, just tell me something about you. And that's when I was able to to get closer to the material where I didn't you didn't realize that you're far away from your own stuff when you're when you come up with these prepared jokes and stuff. But it's also a defense mechanism. There's someone I actually want you to meet because I think you guys could probably do a funny podcast uh, web series together. His name is Kyle Moore. Do you know him? I don't. Okay, he was just in my class. He's he's so good. He's actually a, a seasoned actor and has a Chris Farley energy kind of vibe. But he came in with all this prepared stuff, and I said to him, "I could do me a favor, just." Respectfully put that aside and try to write new material. And he's a dad of a six-year-old, which you'd never think because he's all like rustled up. <laughs> he did this whole bit about trying to get in with the mom group at the kids' school. And it was the funniest fucking thing I've ever heard. And he wrote me such a heartfelt note saying, thank you so much for encouraging me to tell the truth because it's funnier. Yeah. And yes. I think there was another student I had, uh, Jake, in this session who actually is going to take it again in August because he didn't end up doing it. And he was just so aware. He's like, I'm relying on my poop jokes. I'm relying on my jokes. I don't want to do it. And I said, here's the deal. If that's your identity, if that's your brand, if you're the cute Jewish guy who, who does the poop jokes, commit to it and do it. Or respectfully put it aside and really get to know, because he's naturally funny. But any shtick is a crutch. And there are very famous comedians out there who are making money who are still on one shtick that's not even their authentic personality. And it can make money, it's okay, it could be profitable. But for the personal growth and individual uh, satisfaction of doing it, 
if you can let go of the bits and really tell the truth, you'll be happier. But bits work for people too. See, they deal with that on Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, because that big star comedian. Oh my comedian, god, you will watch it. Okay, Jesus. She's like, she's she. No, she hates her life because yeah. she's she makes her money from this like crutch of like this shtick that she has of being this completely different character, this character from Queens, yeah. and she puts on this yeah. accent and stuff. But yeah. she's never been to Queens. Yeah, she, and like when the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel meets her, it's like she's in this opulent like mansion, and she's not this scrubby person she puts on a fat suit to oh, do well, her stand up well that i mean that is such a uh uh, uh I'm gonna, a trope no the, the uh, parallel because it it is such an ozian wizard of ozian yeah. letdown when you see somebody and you see that their authenticity is fake they're, mm -hmm. they're inauthentic i almost say we should invite elizabeth gordon here because she loves marvelous mrs mazel <laughs> she probably want to talk about it for hours um we can if you want she's right out there uh but she'd be thrilled <laughs> um she's hilarious um that's my pet peeve. I'm not going to name any yeah. names, but my real pet peeve is when somebody goes up there trying to be like somebody else or something else. I understand homage. I understand if, oh, I love Sarah Silverman. I want to be like Sarah Silverman or I love X, Y, or Z. But when yeah. somebody goes up and tries to mimic or be like that person, it is my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, so what would you say for people that have never done anything like this before? Like where, where do you have them start? Is it just I, by... Like look, learning themselves? That's a great question. You yeah. want to come be my teacher's assistant? Yeah. Um, I start with people doing what I call a personal inventory. Okay. So there's certain topics in our lives. Hey, if I give out these tricks, who's going to take my class? Just kidding. Yeah. There's certain. There's certain. Take your class. <laughs> there's certain. Better buy tickets. Um, <laughs> you're so cute. Things in your life that you don't even think about. Like, it's so funny. I'll tell you. I was with my daughter, Abigail, this morning at the dentist, and she's laying there getting her teeth cleaned. And all of a sudden, I had this out-of-body experience. I'm like, I made that human being laying there. Like, we're so rushing, rushing from thing to next. We don't even think about things. So I have people sit down with a notebook and do a personal inventory. They have to talk about their job history, their education, their hopes and dreams, their biggest fears. I have them write down about what they call their spin cycle, meaning everybody has a different one. For some, some people, all day long, what do you think about all day long? Oh, I have to lose weight. I have to lose weight. Oh, I got to get a job. Oh, I need to get married. Oh, I need to have kids. Of course, you can have several. But <laughs> what's the one thing that keeps coming back? Ultimately, that's going to be the first thing I'm going to have you start on. Mm, so if somebody's really desperate to have a relationship, I'd have them talk about their relationship journey. If someone's really desperate to lose weight or to do something like that, I would talk about their eating habits or what, or, or you know, as the brainstorming exercise to get them going, not as they're set. And once they do that personal inventory, the fear of writing goes away because a lot of people initially are afraid to even put that pen on paper and start writing. Oh, And I really do encourage people to use an old school pen and paper rather yes. than a computer because it's it, you just want to do um, stream of consciousness. There's a great book called Writing Down the Bones. Uh, I believe the author is Goldberg who says, uh, you know, just don't let that pen stop. Even if you get frustrated, if you even if you stop, even if you get hungry for dinner, just write. Oh shit! I just thought of dinner. I need fried chicken. Oh, back to where you're going, <laughs> because we are our worst own worst critics, and we self-edit to such a degree that the best gems could be lost because you're so worried about doing it right. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a lot of people are like that. Yeah, absolutely. They wait for perfect instead of just going with what they got. To be honest, that's the biggest obstacle I've seen in my students is perfection. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. In uh, actually, in the artist's way, that book they. That was like their first exercise that they have all the people that read it do is that they you have to do morning pages, which yeah. is you write three pages a day and you just aren't allowed to stop moving the pen. It just has to go completely for three pages. And I did I tried doing that for quite a few months and I did realize that it does it frees up mental space for me where uh, chatter normally. Yeah, exactly. You have all this chatter in your head and it 
it stops you from being able to like listen and observe the world because you have all these this your head's too full and it takes away your power and that brings us to the next thing i do which is have people practice something called active listening whether we're in la or anywhere else we're not listening to each other we're waiting for the other person's mouth to stop talking so we could say what we want to say and people have a really hard time and we're all now addicted to our devices and instant gratification myself included no doubt Mm -hmm. and just to be able to listen to somebody else and to constructively and altruistically help the other person versus focus on yourself is crucial to comedy. And you you might think to yourself, why does it matter if I listen to somebody else? Comedy is a solo performance. I do not agree. I think it is a group sport, stand-up comedy. You should create your little groups of people that you workshop with. A crucial part of my class is that in between classes, people must workshop with each other without me. Hmm. And between you and me, since nobody's listening. <laughs> Uh-oh. People in the class are as much, if not more, of a teacher to each other than I am. I'm just a facilitator for them to carve out time for themselves. Right. I think that's a, that's a huge thing too, is that people don't carve they don't carve out time for themselves to actually do it. 100. percent And it's self sabotage myself included too, because mm-hmm. what a great feeling when you sit down with a cup of coffee or a drink, whatever your drink of choice is, the little margarita, um, <laughs> and give yourself a moment to write there is a freeing feeling of self-love there Mm -hmm. because we don't pay attention to ourselves because we figure oh if I don't pay attention then nobody else will kind of thing yeah so it is it does take a lot of self-esteem to do stand-up and to say oh I'm worth you know people whatever I have to say is worth listening to but my biggest pet peeve even though I've said that three times already is when people oh that person's not funny that person's not funny anybody's funny Mm mm-hmm Totally. And um, what was I just going to say? Uh, it had to do with, well, it doesn't matter. We'll come back to it. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, what what, do you, what would you say like makes a really good bit? I know you talked about the truth. Um, what makes like, a good bit? Well, the funny thing is I do not like classic joke structure where you're bringing the audience down one way and then it's that way. So I can smell that a mile away and different teachers in town might teach that way of doing it. To me, a great bit is honest, truthful moments where you're actually living in the moment, which is to say, being a stand-up, you must integrate acting into it. Because while you're just having a conversation, the people watching want to feel you experiencing the embarrassment, experiencing the pain, experiencing the fear. And I was just, I don't even know why. I was up so early today and somehow on my computer, there was on YouTube or something, I don't even, I didn't look it up, but an Artie Lang bit about him while he was on Mad TV, dressed in prosthetics to be a pig, was so in need of some coke that he had to go to like Dukes in Malibu at eight o'clock in the morning, <laughs> dressed like a pig to get the coke. And I was riveted on every, I think I was like, I'm also, I'll tell you, I'm a hot mess, but I'll, I'll tell you something <laughs> funny. I like to make jewelry because it is calming to me too. Ooh, I make jewelry, is it, wire, yeah. do you do wire, wire wrapping? Or I, I do, do all sorts of things and okay. I'll tell you all about that. But so I, was, I was literally listening to Artie Lang doing my jewelry, which is relaxing <laughs> for me. And I was on every word, and it wasn't a structured bit where it was a joke. It was, oh shit, this guy's telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. I get to hear the truth, fucking a. Because when I hear someone going like, "What's with?" Yeah, I'm I like, die. I'm I like, die. what am I stupid? Yeah. But now I'm like, a guy in a prosthetic pig mask driving down the PCH trying to get coke at eight thirty in the morning. Yes, <laughs> it's new. It's real. I couldn't steal that bit and do it. There's no way I would have ever been in that situation. And so. You know, there's so many different ways of comedy. I'm a big, I love Nick Swartzen too. You can watch oh, him. He, yeah. could, he could talk about anything and you're on board. For me, what I respond to is literally authenticity and people telling the truth. The minute I feel like they're putting on some sort of act, mm-hmm. me too. Uh-uh. 
Absolutely. That's why I hear, so I just I just got on dating apps and I'm like, oh, oh God, I, I got to leave. I have to get out of here. For sure. It's funny that you bring that up too because if there are hackneyed and cliche topics like dating apps or, hey, I was at the manicurist and they were talking about me or whatever it is, I'll say, or I'm going to help the homeless people by redoing their signs. I'm going to say, listen, I've heard that 10,000 times. I'm not going to let you do that. I create a safe space in my class, but I'm not going to let someone think that they're the most innovative first person ever saying the same thing I've heard 300 times. Like, it's You should not- get on uh, on all the new apps with that shit because I swear Insta- half of Instagram videos is just people recycling old prior jokes and oh, yeah. all True. kinds of yeah, old stand-up yeah. comedy Instagram jokes. Is, Instagram and Vine were like, yeah, this new quick comedy stuff. It, Black it people really are like is. this. White people are like this. It's like, man, guys, this shit is old you don't even know it they, but, but they think they're innovating no it. because there's a new generation of audience that's never seen it before exactly. that they're like oh this person invented it and, and and i always feel and this and i'll say this of course everybody's different i'll love a mitch hedberg said as much as a zach galifianakis said as much as a natasha zero whoever you're watching there's not one way to do comedy but if it's too observational and unoriginal it's a it's a deadly combination like if you're going to be observational be lewis black be so smart and you know Garrison Keillor, whoever you want to say, who's somebody who, you know, has thinks about the world like that, you can't be like, why do chicks want the guy to pay for the bill? Like it's like, no, I can't. Like no more. <laughs> you have to find something that is authentically you. And sometimes I'm never inauthentic with my students. I always tell them like it is, and I can be toughish. Yeah, yeah, you That's are. That's a good teacher. It's great. I, and. Because they won't have the experience. If they get up there, they might get the laughs, but they won't have the growth. And you, right. you'll harm them if you just say, it. okay, that's fine. And they won't know why it was funny or why it doesn't work the next time they try to do it in a harder crowd, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah you know, when I when I first started, uh, I was doing a, like a, I was going through a breakup, so I wrote a lot about that. Hey, there was no man before him. Never did that more than 10 times. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I was writing a lot about that and it was kind of like the material was based off that. And then I, I healed from that breakup because of stand up. But yeah. then writing new material, it was like, oh no, where do I go now? Also, when you're so happy, it's hard to yes. find the comedy. And that's what people talk about all the time. When I was single before I had my kids, when I was... I, my, when I was depressed. Yeah, my log line, I, I, I encourage people to find their log line, what they never say it, but was the Ivy League loser. I could get handed everything on a silver platter and still fail. And to the point where I almost developed it into a TV show with uh, Amber Thiessen, and of course it didn't go because it had to stay on brand. Um, but then once I found my love, their son, and had my baby, I'm no longer the Ivy League loser because I kind of got everything I wanted and I kind of have this you, like, less lost life. lost your brand? Lost my brand and... That's okay. You reinvent yeah. your mm-hmm. brand. And even some of your famous comedians have gone through a million different incarnations. You look at Kevin Hart. He, he's changed once he got married. He changed once he got famous. And Chris Rock and, and other people who have gone from being in the struggle of it all, the mire, the quagmire, to being super successful, they have to change they have to change yeah. their bits. And and well, so for me, it was a hard time finding finding that. And I also have a theory about that whole when you're depressed, you create your best work. Because I used to believe that, but I'll get to that. Um, <laughs> but Steve actually pointed out, points out quite quite a few of my things that I don't think of as being um, funny bits or anything because they're just real things that I'm stressing about. Uh, like you were saying earlier. Um, and I would, I just randomly like, we'll talk about things like how, when I was six, I thought I was black and it was Martin <laughs> Luther King day. And like, we learned about, I grew up in Santa Barbara. So I was like one of the darkest people at my school. And I, <laughs> uh, I really thought like I was going to get assassinated. It was just a whole thing. It was very innocent. Uh, it wasn't political at all. It was just like very, 
very innocent. I was the darkest kid in my school, and I thought that uh, I thought I was black. But if you, and, if you were in my class, I would start there with you, and I'd go, "If this, then what?" If you if you, you thought you were black, if you thought you were black, where else did this manifest? Did it manifest in the supermarket? Did it manifest in your dating life? Did it manifest with your family? And I think that's hilarious. And I also do. I was just on another. I was on Film Nerds podcast, and we got talking about race too. I'm often often talking about race and stuff because I've always been a pioneer and fighter for. Black comics. Why I don't know because I'm a Jewish <laughs> white girl. But I created a show called Hell Date that kind of lamp that pioneered, not pioneered, that put a lot of black comics on the map. And I was I took a lot of pride in that. But the funny thing is, if it's real, yeah, it will be funny. And anything about race is funny. Meaning, I encourage any student I have to exploit their race, whatever it may be, because it's a commonality. Any other Indian girl who might have that same feeling, any other Pakistani person, any other Muslim person, any other black, white, Jewish, whatever your ethnic diversity is, don't shy away from it. Go towards it. I think I love that. Mm. I love that what you just shared with me. And it's funny because when you share something like that, it makes someone in the audience think of something in their life where they felt like they were black (laughs) or they felt literally when I'm looking for Abby's, um, you're going to love this, her public school, I'm going, of course, driving myself crazy trying to do everything perfect because I'm a perfectionist too and we go into the school it's like 99% ethnic they invite me to go into the Martin Luther King uh, I shouldn't be hitting this <laughs> Martin Luther King assembly I'm standing they're singing lean on me I'm standing in the back literally tears streaming down my face like hating myself for my white privilege desire to put her into a school where there was more than one <laughs> white kid and I'm it was so fucking funny if it was a scene in a movie just the the craziness of this mom trying to get it right. Yeah. And what you just said made me think of that situation in my life. So it doesn't have to be a direct parallel. But I love that. You should work on that. Relatable. Yeah. Well, that so that was one of the first things where someone was like, why don't you write about those kind of things? Like that, yes. that, those stories. And then Steve always points out just shit I do around the house that I <laughs> like, I don't even think about. And he has a whole, we're now writing a series called Sitcom Wife where, um, because I just do like, uh, like I had a pet, um, grasshopper because, uh, she followed me and then like we became friends and she, and laid it's all real. Eggs. So it's like, well, I think couples, and this is great. I think couples is the best way to point out the humor in each other. Yeah. And in fact, I'm inviting you right now. Mark your words. I'm going to do a night of comedy with all couples because me and my partner who goes under a stage name, <laughs> Jonathan Hayes, who, by the way, the Voyage LA, who I want to recommend you guys do, just did an article and he wanted me to call him Jonathan Hayes, even though that's not his name in the article. It was so <laughs> funny. You don't see you're funny until your partner reflects it onto you. You're only the funniest with your most intimate partner. And that is, oh my God, the humor and the comedy that comes from putting a mirror up to your ridiculousness as a partner. I think, I, well, I can't wait to see your guys' show, but you guys have to come to the improv and do our yeah, our, sure. our night. Yeah. Because I think it's all about brand, right? Mm-hmm. We all think we're one thing, and I teach this in class a lot, but how we are perceived oftentimes is much Completely different than who different. we think we are. Yes. And I know you've mentioned this a couple of times, so I'm assuming the fact that you're sexy and a beauty and stuff, you don't want to be pigeonholed as that, and you want to sort of lampoon your ridiculousness or any depression and stuff so that it can balance that out. And I find that to be as much as a struggle as someone who doesn't feel good enough or pretty enough. So it's like, there's no winning. Totally. And and once you uh, find ways to change, like, for example, in high school, I was like the fat goth kid. <laughs> and I dated a guy who told me all of the all of my flaws when he broke up with me. He told me I wasn't <laughs> girly enough. <laughs> told me I wasn't pretty, wasn't girly enough, had to lose weight, like all this stuff. 
So then I did all that, and then everyone pigeonholed me into this other new category that I had no business being in, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know who I am. Like, <laughs> it's funny that you said that because when I was just observing on set when we were all on set, she, oh my, look at the audience, she play, played one of these gorgeous, uh, one of three hot uh, Brides- bridesmaids. Thank you. And but you were so open and and easy to communicate with and no attitude. Like I felt, mm-hmm. you made me feel safe on set, and me, I was Yay. like, girl, I got her right there. Uh, <laughs> so. I think people who get to know you after like five minutes get your brand. Will get your brand. Good. You, every woman, every man. But it's up to you for this career or for if you want to be acting to slam it down people's throat because nobody's creative enough to figure it out. Fucking Absolutely. Exactly. Well, plus you're a casting director. Yeah. Yeah. What casting would you director. cast her as? You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. that's that's actually. Kind of the I thing. would ca- To be honest, even though you're young, I see you as the cool mom, like the mom that everybody. That's what I want to be. That's yeah. well. That's what you're. You're just a couple years away. <laughs> right. No, because I see you almost like you're not the same type as American Mom. That that woman, but I love that woman. She used to play the sister on Molly. Um, Mike and Molly. Oh, Mike and Molly, oh sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, you're not her same look, but your same feeling of oh my gosh, I want to be best friends with that person. Yay. So that's that's the vibe you give me. You don't come off as intimidating. Do you want to marry me? Why I'm, not? I'm, I'm just kidding. What, I've got I'm my, done with my this dude. And daddy. what about my my vibe, Leslie? Am I pretty cool too? No, you are best friend, buddy. But you, you can, can also, also be a leading dad, man. Like but that. you know what? Leading, you're, leading no, man. Hey, listen, don't don't let, don't tell your wife. But you have sex appeal. But you're very funny. You're instantly funny. Don't tell him that. I got like Bill Hader vibe. Like I would give you that category. Like you could be Barry. Yeah, that's tight. Do you watch? Barry? Yeah, we I do. I love yeah. Barry. It's amazing. It's good. Mm-hmm. The, the pitch for Barry is one of the best pitches I've ever heard but for anything. But the acting and the actual follow through, that's one show Henry that I can Winkler watch. Henry Winkler stole it. Oh, my God. Oh, he's amazing. I'm like, wow. Yes. I, when you're watching really Henry Winkler, you're like, I've met this guy so many times in this town. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. it, the cliches are so on point. Even the lead actress with her jealousy and everything. It's so apropos. If people can just embrace the cliches and get it, yeah. they take all the pressure off having to actually... Avoid what are we them. all fighting for? Right, like, that's yes. the joke. Like, exactly. the, I mean, we all want money. We all want the house on the hill. Of course, of course, financially, everybody would like to be happy. And I actually successful. don't want to live in the hills. It's such a pain in the ass to park. I agree. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You think I'm joking? No, I'm not. I kidding. go to my rich friends in the hill, driving back down to Ventura Boulevard. I'm like, who's got if, time? If you host a party in the hills, you're <laughs> such a dick, dude. Because I got, we all got to park up there, and I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? I don't want to do this shit. You think? Like, it, give me a voucher for an Uber. If you were my th- hilarious, if you were my therapist, you'd say, Leslie, you might be justifying it, but I'd much rather. I'm not kidding. Much rather live in a little two-bedroom apartment where I could jet around and do everything than be up in some isolated house. Well, let's not go crazy. I don't want to live in no two-bedroom. <laughs> let's not go absolutely not. Let's well, not live with the good peasants. thing I just married yeah, your wife. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. 
answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, we're taking a break from ourselves to have ourselves talk about ourselves. So thanks for listening to our podcast. We really hope that you like, favorite, and subscribe. But most importantly, you give us five stars on the on the podcast app that you are on and give us a cool review if you like it because we like you and we but, hope but, you like but, us. but even if you don't just give us five stars anyway because we need <laughs> you it sounds so desperate no, listen we really need <laughs> you it sounds so no look maybe desperate look, it's a tough time out Please there help for my husband he's very sad if we don't get five stars dude you don't even know what's going to come down on me man i, I and well, i owe money the, listen okay. i'm in deep dude i, I gamble okay no we're Look, done. I need to win. Thank you for listening. We hope you like this. We really appreciate your ears listening I'm going to back this. To the table tonight. I'm gonna get it back. Yeah, no, you're no, not. No, I'm gonna get you're it back. Not. Okay. I swear. That's enough. Enough out of you. And we're back. Welcome back. Real quick, I just want to plug my movie funny story out now on uh, iTunes. I can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's out right now. Mm-hmm. So you can get on iTunes, you can get on uh, Apple TV or whatever device you got. Um yeah. Yeah. Uh and Nikki's it, in it. I mean it came out eight weeks ago. But, oh right, because we're a stockpile. Yeah. Well, whatever. I but you just need to go. So you can still go and you can still go and download well, technically it. Technically, it's out today, but you can, yeah. you can still go and download it. True. Go watch it. Oh, it's can great. I ask you guys a question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't involve their spouses or loved ones in creative projects. Do you guys love including each other in stuff? We love oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. We work. We work together on like almost everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I have heard that a lot. I've had a lot of. Um, older couples that were like we tried to go in business together and never do it and you'll hate each other it's only made us like each other more i think it caused more problem if you don't give your partner an opportunity yeah absolutely and and we have different strengths and weaknesses so we balance each other pretty well so like steve is a, a screenwriter he writes a lot um i i also i write but i don't screenwrite i act more than I write. He also acts, but he writes more than he acts. So it balances out that way. Um, We both host things, but we have different hosting styles. Like you said, like you find your own brand and style. So there's very distinct qualities that would separate us from each other where we'd never feel like there's any sort of competition or anything like that. And we uh, also just I want her to win and and she wants me to win. Yes, that's the best partnership. I like these guys. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, don't get us wrong. We're really competitive and and we'll uh, we'll slaughter each other if that's uh, the game that we're playing. Right. But- <laughs> no, 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 right, right, right. But at the end of the day, the end of the day, each success makes the other person happy, and that's Absolutely. the only way to yes. survive. Yes, and it yeah. just makes your relationship no. even better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we talked about some hacky things like hacky material, dating. Uh, I feel like guys yeah. always go for masturbation. Girls always go for dating and tampon stuff. Um, <laughs> but are, are there any other pitfalls? pitfalls that you see like amateur comedians fall in and what to avoid my one thing that i and we kind of you know 
stopped on this for a second is the comparison comedy black people versus white people men versus women you know if I was a cat or if I was a dog like anytime mm-hmm. where you're polarizing anything I think it can get into cliche town yeah for totally sure. um, and also from like Elizabeth said anything too dark or gross or poop or intentionally shocking I'm not into yeah and I, I always uh Felt like, I think the uh, the worst thing for me is like don't feel like you have to be the funny one all the time, you know? Because yes. uh, sometimes I feel like when you first start doing comedy and you're like, I'm a comedian or I'm a stand-up, people are like, why aren't you funny? Or why aren't you being funny? And then you feel this pressure to have to be funny all the time. And, and that, I think, leads to hack material and, and bits and like being prepared to say funny things all the time. And, and I, I would say don't, don't do that. I, I agree, but... I will say one thing, which you might either take or leave. Yeah. I do believe high energy and quickness will get you better results than extreme slowness because there are few people who can manage it and who could do so great doing it. But I just saw, I I don't know if I should say the name, a couple comedy specials on Netflix where they're going so slowly that mm. it's unbearable even people that I adore yeah. somehow they came up with this concept like let me go so slow to make the audience kind of wait to draw it out it does not work so you're talking like baseline like higher energy works better than low energy but well, not even person otherwise if you're a bitch be bitchier if you're nice be nicer meaning yeah, yeah. <laughs> meaning you know Johnny Carson who was one of the greatest talk show you know hosts of all time was like if it's colder it's funnier not to be that crass of saying that easy but if, if you're trying to keep people's energy, a crowd or even one person after a long day, you have to have a heightened energy more than theirs. Like, and, and I will say, you can be mellow. Like, I love Amy Schumer. She's very chill and very vibe. I love certain people, but then there's, like, I love Tignataro. She's a very slow going, and she, but her energy yeah, is high. Sure. So, like, I think I just saw Anthony Jeselnik special, and I love him so, so much, but he must have been coached to go so, so slow, and I was like, Ah, pulling my hair out, even though he's brilliant, yeah. and I love him. And you know, it's not about slower, fast. It's just about pacing. That's so funny. I just mm-hmm. negated myself, but I'm saying like Gary Goldman. I love him so much. He goes slow, but you have to up the energy t- from your audience. You, the audience can't have more energy than you. Totally. Oh, you're talking more about performance. I'm talking more about um, in life. Oh, uh, in life. So yes, the funniest people are not the class clowns or the people that are funny at the party. Right, yeah. right. And I think people misconstrue that because uh, I remember just so many like frat boys when I was like in uh, college age. I didn't actually go to the college. I worked at the Chili's next to the college. But uh, that's funny. The, yeah. All the coworkers were college guys. Yeah. And there'd be like the funny frat guy who's so fucking funny. And uh, <laughs> and then like people were like, you should do stand up. And I'm like, that guy's gonna fail at stand up. And uh, and then he did because well, some of my my dearest friends who are so situationally funny when they're the funniest one at the party, they do not want to do stand-up because they run the risk of not getting the same reception that they normally get. Yeah. And it is two different muscles. It's completely different. Yes. Yeah. And so for people that are listening that maybe if you don't want to be a stand-up, but you're just trying to like be more funny in normal life, I'd say listening and, and being able, I think that's how you build quick wit is by listening to what's going on around you and, and being able to play off of that moment instead of being like, oh, I'm a funny guy with funny things to say, you know, like I'm funny all the time and I'm super wacky and high energy. It's like, no, you need to take it down a notch. It's so funny. I just think everybody's so different. I think I do genuinely believe everyone should try stand up. I mean, yeah. whatever you are. And it's so funny. Why I love my classes. I had given a scholarship. There was a girl who lived on Skid Row and they made a post in the 
actors group, does anybody know of an acting class that would be willing to donate a class to this girl? And I said, well, I don't teach an acting class. I teach a stand-up class, but I'm happy to give her a spot in the class. She was so beautiful, so funny, so hilarious, talking about the reason she lives at their women's shelters because she saw it on Keeping Up with the Kardashians. I mean, like, <laughs> hilarious stuff. Uh, it's her growth through the class of self-confidence and everything it elevated her to so much i believe every single person should try stand-up because all stand-up is is self-exploration yeah. self-inventory that's all it is thank you so much for coming on our show today uh leslie and elizabeth and all of the family and we just do this thing at the end of the show called final thoughts where we just say like our last final thought about the topic which is uh being funny from scratch Tell the truth and be dive deep. Yes. Go go and go for the stuff that you would be normally too afraid to talk about, what they call be as mo- as self-disclosive as possible. Go for the stuff that you wouldn't normally share. Yeah, like if it feels scary and you're like, I don't want to do it and your whole body's like, let's not do this, go do it. Correct. Yes. Um, I, th- I say have a carry a big bag of props with you wherever you go <laughs> and just be ready to go with those props and people really really enjoy that I say get good at listening because even if you have a killer set that that you love like you know gets laughs and stuff uh, it doesn't necessarily work the same way for every single crowd so the better you can hone your listening skills the more that you can learn how to deliver and and get your timing right depending on who you're talking to and I think listening is probably the one thing that people forget about Mm -hmm. like they just think it's not that important but it's really important and so if you want to be funny said stand-up really is a conversation between you and the audience yes yes and and when you listen I feel like you catch more of the things about yourself all of your truths the truths about the world thing all those observational things you catch more of that when you really hone your listening skills so do that also Leslie where can they find you they can find they can hit me up on my insta which is Leslie Wolf is the photo bomb uh, or they can email me at lesliewolf at gmail.com. I also have a page on the Hollywood Improv page. I have a show coming up June 30th and one July 14th. I don't know when this is airing, but nice. if anybody wants free tickets who listens today, they yes. can come to yes. the show. Go awesome. email Leslie. Also, how do they sign up for one of your classes? They just email me and they sign up. I've You know, it's funny. I've never advertised. Usually the class is just full impact from every showcase. Wow. People see it and then they want to do it. Word of mouth, That's man. Awesome. That's where I heard of I you. I really love yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. I love being with you guys today. It was oh, you so too. fun. Yeah. You guys are doing a great job. Thank you so oh, thank much. You. That's all I try me. to do. It's a good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if you have a topic that you would like us to talk about, you could email us podcast at gmail. No, excuse podcast me. At podcast at Limo. I must have gotten your Gmail <laughs> yeah, mixed in there. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, podcast at nikki.limo. Uh, find us on Instagram, should they don't tell you, and on uh, Twitter, where should they don't. And, and we're on, on YouTube. Our angel fire. And yeah. we'll see you guys later. Bye. Thank you. Yeah.